Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Talking Points. It's your host, Brian Kelly, the points guy. And if you're an aviation geek like me, the Apex Expo is like nothing else. Apex, that's the Airline Passenger Experience Association. And it's an annual aviation conference that brings together more than 3,000 industry professionals to share insights into the latest airline technologies, products, and services. These are the people and companies making the experience of traveling from Wi-Fi to in-flight entertainment better than it's ever been before. 2019 celebrates their 40th anniversary, and this year, Apex went all out in downtown LA, inviting reps from nearly 100 airlines over four days with panels led by experts from across the globe, including yours truly. And I got to sit down with several top execs from airlines, all for talking points. So on this episode, we share our exclusive interview with Ted Christie, the CEO of Spirit Airlines. Christy shares everything from the rollout of their new seats. We widened the middle seat by an inch, so now it's a little more generous than the other two. And how Spirit is changing to lose the tag as America's most hated airline. That's how you win as a guest on board a Spirit airplane, is you pick and choose those things that are most important to you. That's all ahead on Talking Points. Ted, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. So, Ted, let's start about your background. Did you always know that you wanted to be an airline CEO? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I started out uh, wanting to be a rock musician. Oh, really? (laughs) So uh, I was supposed to get lead singer, or yeah, absolutely. What was it? A high school thing? No, it was or uh, in college. Did you perform even post college? Even post college, the full full try. Do you ever Uh, rock out nowadays? Uh, periodically. Like company parties, have you yeah, ever come out and like a big... Not, like... not as much as you would expect. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in all seriousness, um, I had originally had some interest in getting into government policy, actually. Mm-hmm. So I worked in government for a while and then realized the private sector was probably a better spot for me and eventually landed at Frontier Airlines. It's been almost 20 years ago now. So you end up at Frontier Airlines. Yep. You help grow them into a pretty profitable... Well, I grew my career there. Yeah. I started out as a financial analyst and eventually got my way to CFO there and helped uh, transform the business. We eventually sold that company yep. to Republic and then... Um, with a stop in between, found my way to Spirit almost seven and a half years ago. So you joined Spirit as CFO. I did. And then about two and a half years ago, you took the helm as CEO, well, right? Well, actually, the CEO announcement was about that long ago, but okay. I didn't officially assume the role until the beginning of this year. So I, oh. Yeah, so I was moved to uh, president at the beginning of last year, and then CEO what is, this year. I mean, tell people who are listening, I'm, I'm always so confused when people are like president versus CEO yeah. versus chair. You know, like, what does that, what does president mean? Yeah, they are there? two separate jobs, actually. They're often uh, embodied by the same person, but the president runs the airline. Mm-hmm. Um, so the day-to-day functionality, the airline reports to the president, operations, marketing, finance, all of that stuff. And the CEO sets direction, tone, interaction with the board, forward-facing, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So again, they're often the same person, but in this case, it was a next move for me during the grooming exercise between myself and my predecessor. Yeah. So now that you've taken over the CEO role, do you plan to hire a new president underneath you, or do you have, you know, how do you No, right training? now, no, I'll, I'll keep both titles, keep um, the functionality as to where we see it right now with no, no assumed change for now. I didn't realize 
realize this until I went to another airline's headquarters recently, how summer is actually a bad time of year. There were employees celebrating the end of summer because of heavy operations and more people traveling. Is that the same at Spirit? Is the summer the uh, let's get through this season? Yeah, absolutely. It's the busiest time of year for every airline. It's the most challenging environment from a load factor perspective, which is great. People love to travel, yeah. um, but we have challenging weather, which we've experienced a lot this this summer as well. So the airline likes to take a breather. All airlines yes. like to take a breather at the end of the summer. So I always see spirit planes in airports I didn't realize. Mm-hmm. How do you describe the strategy behind your focus cities? So the objective with spirit has always been about stimulating travel with low fares. The experiment started better than a decade ago, almost 15 years ago, with 30 airplanes and basically testing the the core economic theory of when you lower a price of a good, will more people do it? Mm-hmm. And so the places we choose to fly, while there is uh, nuances around how you pick in order where you want to deploy your airplanes, it really is about we see a vast untapped marketplace for more travel. Mm-hmm. And that, that can be in near-field international. You mentioned some Colombian markets were reasonably good size there. Or in large leisure destinations in the United States, mm-hmm. like um, Las Vegas, even Los Angeles is a large leisure destination. Orlando. On my last Spirit flight, people, yes, I fly Spirit Airlines. I've flown it twice in the last, I think, Thank two years. Thank you for years. the business. I flew Havana, Fort Lauderdale, and LA to Vegas albeit not the longest routes you guys fly, but yeah. I had great experiences. Early arrivals, easy breezy, easy to, you know, I'm six foot seven, so being able to choose the uh, exit row, yep. last minute on most of the major carriers, those seats are always taken. So actually there is a, a bunch of uh, strategies to flying spirit and our head of family travel summer recently flew the big seat and she really liked it. So, you know, we've tried to democratize travel mm-hmm. a little bit. I mean, give everyone the options that they think are important to them and be able to pick and choose those things. And that may be, in your example, a little bit more legroom because you are a taller guy. But for other people, it's important that they save the extra $50 because they, yeah. they're taking their family to Orlando for their... 50 bucks is an extra activity. And, and it yeah. can be meaningful. Yeah. It's one of the benefits of the model is it works well for everybody. We do have a product like the Big Front Seat, which is, we think, the best value in the sky because it's a two-by-two business class product. Yeah. And it, anyone can get it, yeah. right? You don't have to have loyalty. You don't have to have any of those things. All you have to do is buy a seat assignment. And mm-hmm. I think that's a really powerful tool that people can look at picking and choosing all of those things. And I think that's something that other people don't realize about Spirit, that you do have this essentially domestic first-class product in the big seat, and you're committed to it. So when you're buying the big seat, for people who are listening and saying, I didn't realize Spirit, this ultra-low-cost carrier, had this. So when you're buying a flight, every plane has it. How do you guys sell it? You know, Can you upgrade to it if you buy the cheapest coach seat? Like, What's the strategy? Yeah, so as I said earlier, it is purely a seat assignment. Uh-huh. So um, no matter what fare you bought when you bought uh, a ticket on Spirit, you have the opportunity to buy that seat assignment. It is available to everyone at that price. Mm-hmm. We have two rows on most airplanes. There's actually two and a half rows on a few of our aircraft. A half row of first yeah, class. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's, again, it's not a class of service, yeah. so it is a seat assignment. Yeah. And with that seat assignment, you get the additional space and the legroom. It is a full first-class seat, too. It's, you know, it's, it's not the equivalent like of a U.S. business British, class. Yeah, it's not like the, the intra-European business class with, that's coach with the block middle seat. It is full. That's correct. And it books into a Y class. Is it coach? Again, that's what I'm yeah, saying. There's, yeah, yeah. There is no technical class yeah. of service. It that's is, a pretty good deal. That's why it's yeah. a great deal, because everyone can take advantage of it. If, mm-hmm. if, um, if you're a member of our $9 Fair Club and... Uh, 
uh, you have the opportunity to get access to very, very low-priced yep. inventory, you may be able to buy uh, an extremely affordable ticket and buy that seat assignment for cheaper than you could fly I, even anyone else. I guarantee there are Spirit fans listening to this now like, don't tell people. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a great deal. <laughs> Coming up after the break, Ted Christie shares details around how Spirit Airlines wants to compete with your weekend plans. Our competitors are The Couch, Amazon.com, restaurants, movie theaters. That's right after this. Welcome back to Talking Points. We're here at the Apex Expo in downtown LA, and I'm with Ted Christie, the CEO of Spirit Airlines. Spirit is a cheeky airline, right? Everything in your advertising, in the way you go about doing business, certainly your predecessor doubled down on that. Spirit evokes a lot of emotion from people. You know, obviously you guys are doing very well. You have a dedicated, pretty wide audience of people who like saving money and, and traveling. But then there's also the people who say Spirit's the most hated airline in America. Under your direction, are you? How do you respond to that when people say, "Well, you're the CEO of a, you know, this airline that so many people hate"? Well, I think that in some respects, in our distant past, we earned a reputation around. You mentioned cheekiness, mm -hmm. and there was, there was probably, you know, the on-time performance of the product was a little bit below what we would want, and it wasn't lining up with our expectation of the delivery. That's really the easiest way to say it. Is we, we always believed that with a low fare and a high value product, we would be, be able to conquer all of these opportunities that we see. And the evolution that we've gone through over the past few years has been to refine that delivery. Now we are amongst the best operators in the business. We're routinely in, in the top four in on-time performance, mm -hmm. which puts us among some pretty rarefied air. And when you can do that with an extremely affordable fare, brand new airplanes, the ability to customize your experience the way we were just talking about from a seating perspective and bags and that sort of thing, you couple all that together, that's really a high value proposition. Mm -hmm. And so we've rounded the edges a little bit around mm -hmm. what may have been abrasive to people in the past. It's really about expressing how we can translate that to a value proposition yeah. for people. So the the big three have certainly taken notice of your unbundling and you know with basic economy. Have you felt new pressure now that the major airlines are trying to do essentially what you've been doing for years? No pressure. I mean, in, in, in a lot of ways, it's flattering. You know, at the beginning of our transformation into what was previously called a ULCC, mm -hmm. but now we're just a high-value product carrier, we inaugurated a lot of things in the United States that are now part of the common vernacular, mm -hmm. charging for bags, charging for seat assignment. And so in a lot of ways, that transformation is just recognition that there's a product there that people want to buy. Mm -hmm. So when our peers institute that type of product, it's validation of, of our very model. Who would you say is your number one competitor in the U.S.? So it's, a, it's actually an interesting question. The practical reality is what we're competing for is that, that last amount of discretionary spend from every household. So in a lot of ways, our competitors are the couch. They are Amazon.com. Mm. They are uh, movie theaters. They are restaurants because we're trying to convince people with that aspect of discretionary spend you have – Go see grandma, mm -hmm. you know, go to Orlando instead of uh, buying a new TV. Mm -hmm. And so that's the compelling part of the argument. We, of course, compete with every airline in the United States, um, but we offer a different product. And mm -hmm. we think that that's what segments us well. We are attacking a leisure-based discretionary traveler. Speaking of leisure, so Southwest uh, launched Hawaii, and they've you know, recently said it's performing way beyond their expectations. You know, JetBlue has its eyes on... Europe, you know, I know with your current family of A320 aircraft, you couldn't 
make it. Do you have plans for Europe or Hawaii in the near future? Uh, Europe, no. Um, Hawaii, probably not either, to be mm -hmm. honest. Um, the things that work really well for us, we stay within our knitting. Mm -hmm. um, we've developed a, a nice network of opportunities in the lower 48 and in near-field Latin American international mm -hmm. that fits well with our model and has a big growth opportunity. Mm -hmm. So that's clearly where we're focused right now. Yeah. Okay. And as far as fleet, A320 has worked pretty well for you. There have been rumors that you guys want a smaller aircraft. Are there any announcements coming on getting a smaller plane to open up a new Well, the beauty uh, of, of the 320 family, and we, we operate all three variants today. So we have the 320, we have the 321, mm. which is longer, but yeah. we also operate the 319. And that airplane does have certain markets that it works very well in. So we've looked, we are in the midst of evaluating our forward fleet requirements, and we've looked at all the opportunities. I'd say we're in the, at the last stages of getting ready to move on to our next phase of growth, because right now our, our current order Order with Airbus takes us through 2021. Mm -hmm. So we're now evaluating the next kind of five years or so beyond that. And um, I suspect that we'll have some, some positive news on that in the coming months mm -hmm. or so. For people who may have heard from friends bad flight experiences with Spirit, how would you describe the Spirit of 2019 to someone who may see a really cheap fare, but in the back of their head, they've heard something bad. Like, what is it like, and how do you win Flying Spirit? Like, do you recommend just doing everything in advance? Yeah, so it's a, that's going to stimulate a long discussion, right? So, <laughs> well, we're here at the um, Airline Passenger Experience uh, <laughs> Conference. So I fly Spirit all the time. Do they know that the CEO is on board? Well, they, they do. Try to, like, secret uh, fly? When I was CFO, I was less conspicuous. Yeah. And I tend to want to talk to our crew mm -hmm. anyway and talk with the group on, on the airplane. So when you're a guest on board a Spirit airplane, you should expect certain things to come with the price of your Ticket. You should expect a rather seamless experience from booking to the, the claim of your bag. You should expect on-time performance. You should expect a new, clean airplane. You should expect a friendly group that's greeting you every day. Those things are naturally included in the purchase price. And then you can customize the things that are important to you. Legroom, carry-on bags, checked bags, member of our loyalty program, mm -hmm. buying something to eat on board. Down the road very soon, the ability to connect with your friends and family on board with stream-to-seat Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. And we're already in the process of, of moving through that as well. And so all of those things give you the ability to customize. That's how you win. Mm -hmm. as a guest on board a Spirit Airplane, is you pick and choose those things that are most important to you. Bundling can work for some people because they feel more comfortable buying in a package, but a lot of people like to buy a la carte. Mm -hmm. It's very common in most products today. You can buy that with your car and, yep. and your restaurant experience and your clothing experience. So that's a winning experience for a guest on board our airplane. Let's talk a little bit about the in-flight experience at streaming Wi-Fi. I had no idea about that. You know, you assume that you're going to get a seat that doesn't recline, no in-flight entertainment, you know, a menu to buy from. But can you talk a little bit about the investments in, in the passenger experience? Like yeah. That? So uh, last year, we, we made a formal announcement of a strategic shift that we've been working on for the better part of three years that we called Invest in the Guest. It started with better operational performance because the most important thing to people traveling on our airplanes is they want to arrive on time. Time is money. Yeah. yeah. We started there, but then we started looking at the aspects of our product and where we thought we could make things better listen to our guests, take their feedback, and constructively deploy that into our product. And so I mentioned a few of those in, in the winning experience, but better experience at the airport, in my opinion, starts with a much more streamlined pass through all the way to the gate. And so we're deploying technology with self-bag drop technology mm -hmm. that will eventually move its way to a one-stop interaction with your check-in and bag drop. 
were on board the airplane. Once you get on board the airplane, you mentioned that we're in the process of installing high-speed stream-to-seat Wi-Fi. We think we're the first true low-cost carrier with that quality of product in the world. Our partner is Talus Aviation, mm-hmm. and we're very excited about that product. We've, we've when run did that in, start rolling out? We've run into a few collective, kind of just a few technology hiccups, um, which are not uncommon in, when you're dealing with um, this type of technology. But we expect we'll be deploying that into the fleet beginning the end of this year into early next and throughout the remainder and so of that's 2020. A, so that passengers can pay for fast Wi-Fi, streamable wa- fast Wi-Fi? That's correct. Yeah. And, and um, the, revealed, tests, the tests have been extremely successful. We're talking about about the ability to to stream your Netflix, to stream mm. your Amazon Prime, um, and if you don't want that, but instead you just want connectivity, you want to be able to to browse the internet, Text, or yeah. it's going to be more affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the idea here was we wanted best in class service, we wanted an affordable delivery, and we think we've we've checked those boxes. Now we got to get it on the airplane yeah. and get it out there. The other thing that's an improvement is a redesigned cabin, which is um, new seat technology produces the ability to increase usable space at legroom. And that's what's most important from a comfort perspective for people. And so while you mentioned you're 6'7 and you've flown on us in our Mm -hmm. exit row, I'm 6'2 and I sit in our traditional coach product. And I think there's a misnomer out there around the word seat pitch that people affiliate that with comfort, Mm -hmm. when in reality, it's just a measurement between the two seats. So when you improve seat technology with contoured seat backs and mm-hmm. a gentle pre-recline mm-hmm. for our seat, you actually improve the, the legroom space. So those kind of things are, again, investments in our guests. And, and what I think is pretty revolutionary, so the middle seat, you've given extra, a little bit of extra space to the middle seat? We did. We widened the middle seat by an inch, so now it's a little more generous than the other two. Um, are you the first airline in the U.S. to do that? I think there may be others. Um, I'm not 100% yeah, yeah. certain, but um, regardless, what we're trying to do is optimize the real estate on the airplane. And we think we can do that in a way that actually delivers comfort and convince people that are buying tickets that we are actually more comfortable than they think. So with the middle seat actually having more space, do they still get both armrests, in your opinion? Well, um, you and you and I both know we travel a lot. That's always a little bit of a first come, first serve, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> Very diplomatic response. I still firmly believe if you're in the middle seat, you get both of those armrests. Okay. Um, Moving on to technology, I just judged a panel at the World Aviation Festival, and EasyJet, their app was amazing. You can actually scan your bag. It'll tell you if it's within compliance. You can prepay, et cetera. You know, interestingly, you just announced text to buy tickets, which I thought was really cool, and then there's a $25 charge to that, which Mm -hmm. is interesting. It almost seems like a penalty to switch to mobile when other airlines are encouraging mobile uh, acceptance. What's what's the strategy there? You well, remember, when you when you buy a ticket on your mobile device, there's no fee right. to interact with us via our app or via right. the on through the website. What we're really talking about is when we improve the guest services with a more human contact, mm. either via text to mobile or if you call our reservation center, that's where that additional service comes with a fee. The ability to use SMS and, in, in our case, also WhatsApp, which we think is somewhat unique, because international customers use that much more frequently. Mm -hmm. That's just a a new advent. That's us saying, here's another chance for you to interact with us, either to resolve an issue or perhaps to to buy a ticket. And Mm -hmm. and um, we think that's a net positive, by the way. My listeners would kick me for not bringing up points, since I'm the points guy. So I know in (laughs) February of this year, you announced um, an update, refresh to the loyalty program. Our readers have been irked by the pretty strict expiration policy on Spirit Miles. Even our fans at TPG Fly Spirit quite a bit are like, I almost never use the points because it's just too much. 
when can we expect an update to the program, and is there anything you can share about strategy behind the new refresh? Sure. So start with timing. Um, when we talked about launching a relook at our loyalty program, we knew it was going to take us a little bit of time because we wanted to make sure we got it right. And we've listened to our guests. They've told us the same things that you're hearing as well. And so we want to make sure that we're being very strategic in the design of this. It is underway right now, mm-hmm. um, and I expect that we'll have good results on that next year. The unique thing about Spirit is there are three aspects to our loyalty today that don't interact very well, Mm -hmm. which is part of what the value of the redesign will bring us. We have a credit card uh, affiliation program Mm -hmm. with Bank of America, which most airlines have those today. And we have a points program um, where you accumulate miles and you can redeem those for tickets. Those two things are traditional in most airlines. What's different with Spirit is we actually have a paid loyalty program, Mm -hmm. the $9 Fair Club, where you have the opportunity to join our club for an annual fee and you get access to low-priced inventory, you get access to bag discounts. Those three things also need to interact, and today they don't very well. So in part of this redesign, it's optimizing redemption levels, Mm -hmm. making that more usable for members of our our programs, but also making those programs interact a little bit more. I see this as a trend with a lot of airlines adding concerts, experiences, tours. Is that something you guys are focused on or for the rerun? Again, all on the table. Yep. Um, So we're we're evaluating what's important to the people who are members of our loyalty program, Mm -hmm. and it will be different for a low-cost carrier than it might be for a larger network carrier. Do you foresee elite status levels with free big-seat selections? So we have not had that before, Mm -hmm. right? You know, I wouldn't want to get in front of the process and say that it's a hard no. I think we're evaluating all opportunities. How do you view partnerships with other airlines? So, you know, JetBlue has seen growth with, you know, Emirates and TAP partnerships that have really opened up. Do you foresee that in the future as part of your growth strategy, especially within Latin America? And I assume you mean from a relationship perspective, you probably like mean some sort of a co-chain. Right? You know, especially with the frequent flyer program, one of the big things we love is the ability to redeem on an other airline partners or you know alliance partners. You don't, obviously aren't in an alliance or joining one anytime soon, I assume. But I like, think that's fair to say. Yeah. <laughs> Do you foresee a path to growth where you're partnering up with maybe even other low-cost carriers in the markets you serve? So to date, we have not pursued that. Um, we have been approached, but to date, we have not pursued that, largely because code share relationships, believe it or not, are more of just a distribution strategy. It's how you want to distribute your tickets to other people. In that case, you're distributing it to someone else's customer on their code. Mm-hmm. And what we've largely found is with our model and our load factors, we don't need that additional distribution platform. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that over time that may change. And given our international reach, for example, or as the network gets bigger, those kind of decisions have to be fluid. You have to look at them on a case-by-case basis. Mm-hmm. So that's been the decision to date, but I wouldn't be surprised over time if that were to change. Almost 10% of our readers in the U.S. are based in New York Metro, so it's a great interest that you guys are entering Newark. Of course, Southwest just retreated from that market. Mm-hmm. What are your uh, hopes for getting into Newark and expanding in, in New York Metro? Well, New York's um, the largest leisure destination in the United States, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and given that we are a leisure-based carrier, we we would love to get larger um, because a lot of people want to go to mm-hmm. New York, not not just the people who live there wanting to go to places, other leisure destinations. And so today we serve uh, LaGuardia and we serve Newark. As you know, those airports have largely been slot-restricted for mm-hmm. the largest time. Newark opened that up in 2016, which is where we got our mm-hmm. limited takeoff and landings today. We're always pursuing opportunities in the in metros like New York mm-hmm. where we think we could get access. It's a struggle mm-hmm. uh, given the restrictions that exist. So what is your favorite spirit destination? 
So um, my favorite spirit destination, it's probably Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived there for a long time, and um, I still have family there. We're an avid ski family. Mm-hmm. It's the one leisure activity that we can all agree on. <laughs> um, and so um, we're oftentimes in the mountain skiing. I, I definitely have to pick Denver. What is the one thing that keeps you up at night as CEO of the airline? Mm-hmm. We have 20-plus thousand people supporting me every day that wear the yellow and black. They're all about taking care of our guests and running a safe, reliable airline. And that's an area of comfort for me, that I feel like that's true. But I always want to make sure that we're executing well, that we have the tools and the strategies we need to execute. And I think that's my 3 a.m. conversation Mm -hmm. with myself is, have I done the right things to set up the team to succeed? I think we're strategically well-positioned. So it's now about giving them the tools and the resources they need to get it done. How do you take customer feedback and actually put it into action? And on that, if someone has a good or bad experience with Spirit, how do you recommend that they get that through that so that someone with the position to make a change actually reads it? Well, we're actively soliciting feedback from our guests. Um, We survey everyone on board our airplane. Once they get off the airplane, they'll get a, a request to respond. And our response rates, we believe, are higher than most airlines, which tells us people want to tell us what they need and what they want. And then we use that and translate that into action. So a lot of the things that we've talked about today around investment in the guest and the, the onboard experience and all of that is learnings from people telling us exactly pinch points they may had or, or compliments that they found. Um, and so it's an active solicitation of feedback. The good news is spirit guests want to give us that feedback mm-hmm. um, and, we're, and we're actively changing the product. Final question. It's a very difficult one. Window or aisle seat? Oh, I'm aisle all the way, buddy. Aisle all the way. Aisle all the way. Yeah. All right. I'm a window guy, but I think we can just agree to disagree. (laughs) Ted Ted Christie, thank you so much for joining us and good luck as you lead Spirit into a a new and especially passenger-focused future. So thanks for joining us. I appreciate the time. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Talking Points. I'm your host, Brian Kelly, and a huge thank you to Ted Christie, CEO of Spirit Airlines. Thanks again to Ted Christie. CEO of Spirit Airlines and his team on the ground in LA. And to the entire Apex Expo team, Dr. Joe Leader, the CEO of Apex, Robin Applebaum and her amazing team who tirelessly helped us on site, arrange all of these podcasts. Many thanks to the LACC and its staff for accommodating us and my own team, Christy Matsui, Becca Denenberg, Ned Russell, Scott Marowitz, and my podcast crew, Margaret Kelly and Caroline Shagrin. I'm Brian Kelly, safe travels.